0: Let's pray. Lord, we are incredibly grateful for this hour that we can gather as a family and worship, fellowship, and pray for one another. Uh, We ask right now that you would just open your word to us, that we could hear a fresh message for you that we can take out into the world this week, uh, that you would not only uh, speak to us, but you would transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, dancing with a gazelle and sheep. So we are going, this is Easter week four, Easter week four, and we are traveling now through the Acts of the Apostles. As we learned last, what did we learn last week? Acts of the Apostles are just the beginnings of the church. So we uh, found out, if you weren't here last week, we found out how Paul became a follower of the way. You know, he's on his way to Damascus to round up some early Christians and Jesus hits him with a light and appears to Paul and changes his life forever, changes the life of the early church forever and uh, as a consequence, you know, changes our life and our faith forever. And just to recap uh, from last week, We have uh, a little bit of a timeline here. So Jesus' death and resurrection is around 33 uh, CE, uh, around 33 CE, and Paul's conversion would have been about two or so years later. You know, there's no real way of, of knowing, but most scholars date it or somewhere around two to five years after, around 35 CE. And today's story, where we'll pick it up right after in Acts 9, is going to be roughly a year to three years uh, after that point. So Paul has this massive conversion, and Luke, the author of Acts, brings us back into the fold, back into the life of the early church. And that's what we'll be uh, reading through today. So we have a little map. You know, last week we had a very uh, legit historical map, and so do we, we have one this week as well. I don't know if you can see that. So you have Jerusalem there. You know, the, the center where the big te- the temple is, and then we have Lydda, which will be uh, the site of Peter today, and then Joppa, where we'll be heading later. Uh, there's my hometown down there. There's some traffic on the 405 up there. There's traffic on the 405 everywhere, everywhere. So we're going to get into that. We're going to do something different this morning uh, as far as reading. I want everybody to split off into groups of two or three. Grab a Bible from the seat back in front of you. We ha- we'll have the scripture up here, too, in case you don't want to read a little print or don't have a Bible right in front of you. But break off for a second groups of two or three, and I want you to read Acts 36 through 41. Some, some of them chapter it from uh, 31 to, or 36 to 43, so Acts 36, 43 if your bible chapters it that way take a couple minutes read it with your neighbor out loud read it out loud and then we'll come back so we pick up the early church in acts chapter 9 uh, verse 36 and let's just walk through this together since we've read it all right so peter went with them so uh Luke throws us right back into the story. Uh, We we transition from this epic moment with Paul, and we get back to Peter, you know, a central figure uh, in the life of the early church and a central figure in in the book of Acts. So Peter went with them and immediately uh, entered the room. Oh, sorry. In a nearby coastal city, Joppa. All right, so Joppa is on the coast, like we saw earlier. It's... uh, it's near Tel Aviv, if, if you know the modern uh, Tel Aviv. It's near there. And uh, so he travels to Joppa. There lived a, uh, a what? A disciple. Okay, so he wants us, Luke wants us to know that uh, Tabitha is a disciple. Why might this be significant? She's a woman, right? So, you know, we, we only hear about Jesus' 12 disciples, all male, Uh, but Luke here says Tabitha, a disciple. Okay, so that is clear. Uh, Aramaic, uh, her Aramaic name, uh, Tabitha, or Dorcas, if you're Greek. So, I would go with Tabitha, but, you know, Dorcas is fine, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Both translate, maybe your Bible said both translate to what? Gazelle. So, we have our gazelle Uh, Tabitha is our gazelle. So, Tabitha is a disciple living in Joppa. She was a good woman, devotedly doing good and giving to the poor. While Peter was in Lydda, she fell sick and died. Her fellow disciples washed her body and laid her in an upstairs room. Okay, so, Tabitha, an early disciple, living in Joppa, uh, caring for the poor uh, your Bible uh, might use the word uh, widows there. Uh, so Tabitha, we're not sure if she was a widow herself, but we can, you know, maybe we can infer things from the text here. She was self-sacrificing to the widows. She was giving of her life, and this was, this was her ministry. So we have this major conversion moment with Paul. You know, when I was in, uh, when I was in high school, we'd always have these guys usually guys, uh, come into youth group or at church camp, and they would have these stories of these big, you know, conversion moments, how they had met Jesus, and it's like, yeah, I was in Amsterdam, and I was lying on a bathroom floor, and there Jesus came to me, and I remember thinking, you know, I'm 15. Uh, I don't even know what Amsterdam is, Uh, and I just couldn't connect because I'd grown up in the youth group. I'd grown up in church, and you know, I, I lived a fairly standard, you know, childhood and adolescence. It just was in, just played baseball with my friends. I really didn't know how to relate to this, you know, these guys that would come in and tell these, like, magnificent stories about how they met Jesus. And I think a lot of times when we read this Paul story, this Saul on the road to Damascus, he has this massive conversion moment. I just always come to think, like, you know, what if you don't have that, that major experience with Jesus, is this, this, you know, you get a 180 turn in your life, you know, what if you've just, you just don't have that, and I think Luke does that for us right here, so he takes us from the road to Damascus, and says, you know, by the way, in Joppa, there's this lady, and she's, you know, three years after the resurrection, she's living this stuff, just plain and simple, she's more than likely has this home where she hosts widows, she hosts these women. And Jesus often refers to the widows, uh, because at, at that time in the first century, uh, they were uh, known to be such an uh, outsider group. They were financially um, they were financially poor, uh, societally, culturally, they were looked down upon and so. That's why some Bibles use the word poor and some use the the word widows, uh, because at that time they're fairly synonymous. Uh, The widow is the outcast in society. And here, three years after Jesus' death and resurrection, Tabitha is just out there doing it. So uh, her fellow disciples, uh, these widows, who are also disciples of the way, uh, washed her body and laid her in an upstairs room. So that would, have, you know, more than likely, we're not sure what house this is, but um, it, it perhaps is Tabitha's house. So they had heard that Peter was nearby. So Peter is a known figure. Uh, so they heard that Peter was nearby. So two of them went uh, went with an urgent message: Please come to Joppa as soon as possible. And uh, Peter, if you remember, in Lydda, it's about. Ten or so miles uh, from, so from where they would take. So, I mean, we're talking maybe a day each, each, each trip. So, Peter went with them and immediately entered the room where the corpse had been placed. It was quite a scene. The widows of the community were crowded in the room. They were weeping and showing the various items of clothing that Dorcas had made for them. Tabitha, the gazelle. So, this is, this is interesting that their ministry consisted of what? making clothes and it might not seem like a, a big deal because we, you just like imagine like some old ladies like knitting in a room and you're like oh that's sweet the old ladies are knitting but this is a society before mass clothing right so it's hard to imagine not having an old navy or whatever target where we could just go pick up our cheap clothes that these women were they were producing something and offering it for the community I mean this is a big-time gift that they're using uh, to benefit their community. So Tabitha, leading this group of disciples, and this is their ministry, is making clothes for people uh, and helping the poor in that way. So Peter asked them to leave the room. Then he got on his knees, and he prayed for a while, and then he turned to her body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes Saw Peter and sat up. Giving her his hand, Peter lifted her up. You know, it's a very, it's a very simple story that I think serves uh, us today on several several levels. Uh, the big one that I take away is the fact that this group, this is the way, and they are simply living it. And the time, three or so years after, that they are giving themselves in love, and Tabitha is leading this this church. She is leading this group of people, this group of women. Uh, and Peter comes along, and says, "Get up." You know, I I have this. Peter is such a fascinating character because he storms he storms in, and he has such authority. And it's it reminds me of. What we've talked about in our trail over the last few weeks about how the resurrection of Christ for for Peter almost serves as his warrant you know he has this demonstration in his mind of uh, death not being the final word and so he steps into uh, this home with that on his heart and that is as we see in Acts that Peter is the healer and you know, the resurrection of Christ is his warrant to come in and bring life back into this community. The other lectionary passage for today is one from, from John 10, and I think it ties in in really well. Um, and we'll, let's walk through this one. John 10, 22 through 30, if you want to mark that in your own. It was winter in time for the festival of dedication. So that's Hanukkah. Uh, While in Jerusalem, Jesus was walking through the temple in an area known as Solomon's Porch. The Jews gathered around him, so these would have been the religious officials of the time. And they say to him, How long are you going to keep us guessing? If If you are the liberating king, announce it to us clearly. And Jesus says, I've told you, and you do not believe. The works I am doing in my Father's name tell the truth about me. You do not listen. You lack faith because you are not my sheep. My sheep respond as they hear my voice, and I know them intimately, and they follow me. I give them a life that is unceasing, and death will not have the last word. Nothing or no one can steal them from my hand. My Father has given the flock to me, and he is superior to all beings and things. No one is powerful enough to snatch the flock from my father's hand. The father and I are one. So there's a lot going in this story here with the religious officials, with Jesus, and there are a lot of different ways that we could take this. You know, Yabo was singing uh, the song earlier that said uh, our God is three in one. I think that's how the, the lyric goes. And uh, we're going to, in a few Short time. We're gonna talk a little Trinity today. I think that'll be, I think that'll be good. We won't go, we won't go that far into it. But I think it helps us to wrap up a few of the ideas that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, especially in regards to uh, knowing the early church as the way. So what, what is the way? We've, I've said this a ton. I feel like over the last three weeks. What is the way? So Jesus is the way. What is I mean, that is the, what the early Christians are known as, right? There's no Christian religion. I mean, we're two, three years in uh, max. So they are just known as the way. And, right, Paul goes last week, Saul, he goes last week to, what, his religious officials and says, hey, I hear there's these guys in Damascus, and they need to be locked up. Well, you know, they're just a faction of the Jewish religion at this point, and they call themselves the way. So it's this, their uh, religion essentially is characterized by their lives, right? So they're characterized by the Dorcas's, the gazelles, the disciples just doing life together in, you know, simplicity really. I mean, it's just a group of widows making clothes, but that is the gospel. I mean, that is what has transformed these communities. And so here we have uh, Jesus talking about this way, and he he claims a big claim here in front of the Jewish officials uh, that they would not have liked at all by saying the Father and I are one. So that is that's pretty rough for them to to swallow. I mean, it, you can really see, especially in the Gospel of John, why they're so after Jesus at this point because he's making these claims that. Uh, Jewish rabbis just don't make and uh, there's an interesting uh, word that I want to wrap up today in, in our thinking and it is perichoresis say that with me perichoresis has anyone heard this word perichoresis the, the Cappadocian fathers uh, the early early church fathers around 300 or so uh, this word starts floating around Uh, peri meaning around and choresis is where we get our word for choreography and so what we get here is uh, to dance around to incorporate around and you see the early church fathers start using this term uh, as we develop the doctrine of the trinity in early church history so it takes it takes the church about Three hundred plus years to really start grappling with this idea of Trinity, right? God, three in one. It, like, still, I don't even, I still don't even really get it. So we have, you know, what ends up being in uh, the Nicene Creed, early church history, they end up saying, uh, one substance, three persons, right? What? One substance, three persons? That doesn't make any sense at all, but I think this will, I think this will help uh, us To kind of incorporate where we've gone for the past three weeks and where we're going as we understand Jesus' death, resurrection, his early followers following in the way. So, God is this divine dance. Jesus says, The Father and I are one. Jesus then gives the Holy Spirit to the disciples, and they go out into the world with this sort of divine dance. You know, the the word trinity is never in the bible it's something that took us time to develop but you can see as the early church is trying to figure out you know who is this god jesus god the father you know jesus says i and the father are one but yet we have the spirit with us and it ends up being this perichoresis this divine dance of god being three in one and here in john ten twenty twenty two. uh this, this verse is usually uh, used, uh, you know, it's a good Calvinist verse, if you want to go there. It says, I have told you, talking to the religious officials, and you do not believe, right? So Jesus makes this distinction between the religious officials not believing, and you think, that seems really harsh, Jesus. I mean, you know, you're supposed to be all about inclusivity. He says, the works I am doing in my Father's name tell the truth about me, but you do not listen. You lack faith because you are not my sheep. So, you know, Jesus is separating here the religious officials and then people who he calls his sheep. And I was talking with Rose, and Rose was like, I don't like Jesus the shepherd. He's, I'm not a sheep. I'm, I'm a lone wolf. Isn't that what he said? Okay, she's a bear. But you get this idea where you're like, I don't want to, like, sheep are kind of known for being these, like, really dumb animals that sort of just, like, blindly follow their master. But that's not the point jesus is trying to make here i don't think he's trying to be exclusive either so he's not saying oh all my followers are just a bunch of idiots and they just follow me no it's not it's not the point he's trying to make here at all i want to propose this morning of whether he's saying are you dancing with me are you a part of this divine dance father the son the holy spirit all moving in this self-offering love this mystery that we call life of the people life, the faith community the way I mean all of these terms are sort of tied up together I keep doing this because I don't know what else to do with my hands while I'm describing this but you understand it's this flow it's this rhythm it's this dance you know a lot of people whenever uh I know it's certainly true for me whenever I have an experience that I can't put into words it's it's like I'm being caught up in something that's bigger than myself. We, you know, we go on mission trips, we, we, uh, we help uh, the poor, and we have this sense that this life, this thing that we are called into, is, is way bigger than any one of us. It's way bigger, it'll last, uh, it was here before we got here, and it'll still be here whenever we're gone. It's this divine dance that we have an opportunity to be a part of. It's the divine dance that Dorcas, the gazelle, was was doing in Joppa just a small coastal city she was giving of herself in the way that she knew how that was making clothes that was uh, welcoming in uh, you know she had a Jewish name and a Greek name maybe because she was both uh, you know you know teaching the gospel and opening her home to both Gentiles and uh, people of the Jewish faith she was opening up her home and that was her way of of dancing and i think that's our charge for today is to to ask ourselves and to pray about what how you know what is my what is my dance what is my participation in this this divine dance that we all individually have the opportunity to participate in that god is calling each one of us in our own ways using our own gifts you know maybe you're good at making clothes i'm not i don't know how to sew but whatever it is for you We are all called into the divine dance to hear the voice of the shepherd and there uh, go forth into the world and just dance, figure it out, you know. Uh, That's the life of the faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your mystery for giving us the opportunity to dance, even if we're clumsy, even if we, you know, look silly out on the dance floor sometimes, that you are calling us, you're showing us the way, and uh, inviting us to just to participate, just to give it, just to give it a go, uh, and we thank you for the opportunity, uh, and that you're faithful even when we, even when we stumble, even when we're not in the, not in rhythm that you love us, that you still call us, uh, and that we just have the opportunity in our short time uh, to dance together, figure it out as a faith community here in 2016, what that looks like. We're so blessed and we're so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.